like God came down and said, you can, you can, I'll give you as much Sarah Stim as you want. Cause you know, God, <laughs> God is like that. He's, you know, he's, he's a giving. He's yeah. 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 He's, he's a giving. giving. <laughs> so, but you can only use it during the off season or you can only use it during. <laughs> what are you, God would what not are you be that do? cruel. God has, a, God has a very weird sense of humor. I mean, let's be fair. <laughs> Uh, I would use it during a prep phase and I would diet for the rest of my life. <laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear with coaches Skip Hill, Andrew Barry, myself, Scott McNally, and all of our programming is brought to you by you, the people of Patreon. Thank you guys very much for supporting the show. We've got a couple Patreon questions today. We are brought to you by supplementsource.ca for Canadians. And of course, we're brought to you by our title sponsor, truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK for additional savings on literally every bodybuilding supplement that you need under the sun. Check them out for high quality protein powders, tons of flavors. You get the Team Skip blend over there. Tell them Skip sent you. Well, tell them we all sent you. Use code THINK, get the savings, support what we're doing. Guys, if you're new to our content, then let me encourage you to subscribe and hit the bell we have several podcasts that come out each week all of that stuff comments everything we appreciate you guys so andrew and i haven't had a chance to talk uh arnold classic yet almost at olympia arnold mm-hmm. classic yet now we, i said andrew and i because skip skip has not been following and that's okay skip we i don't understand. even think i know what i'm looking at this list i'll i'll say it not impressed what <laughs> you sent me the list of people in the i know i don't mean it shitty look they're they're clearly far better bodybuilder than i'll ever be in another hundred years if i could do it 10 times over i'm just saying from past history you know with the arnold lineups um am i out of line saying that this is pretty much a formality what do you mean uh, by saying who's gonna win yeah. Okay. Well, a I first, I think you're wrong. I don't think that this is just a. I, I don't think this is going to be a weak Arnold Classic. I think it's okay. going to be a two man show yes. between Hottie and Samson. I think because Samson's, you know, the he's 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 the the sitting champ right now. Hottie's the the scorned Olympia second place who, from what I've seen, has literally ate, slept, bra- breathed bodybuilding like and every post is like you can just tell he doesn't do anything for fun he doesn't do anything for recreation it's been gym meals recovery so i think hottie's coming into this thing to try to show people like hey you made a mistake by giving Derek runs for the olympia and this is my best Mm -hmm. uh with that being said you know samson just continues to improve every year and he's got a prettier structure just being a little bit taller a little bit broader in the shoulders having the flowing quads he's got the classical frame with open bodybuilder muscle so you can't you know deny that either so i do think it's a two-man race between those two um i hope they're both they're both in the best shape of their lives and i hope it's a show that we all remember for years to come but i do i I would agree with you with this skip that i think that it is a uh a fight for third place, third, fourth, and fifth place, I think is where the real action is going to be. Um, I think and, this is the list here. Yes. We got the lineup. Yeah, I guess what list. I'm saying is it's not deep. It doesn't seem deep to um, me where it's like, it's a toss up. This is going to be like, you know, a battle. And, and But, you know, again, listen, I, I admit, you guys said it and I admit it. I don't follow those top two shows like I used to. I, yeah. I, you know, I admit it. I, I just don't. Well, I'll say this is 
because typically the Arnold Classic is only like a 10 or 12 man lineup. So it's yeah. not like the Olympia. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, some of those bigger shows. So um, I, I really think we're going to see a lot of quality in the top six, seven. And, you know, let's say, you know, I have Hottie and Samson in moment one and two. I can't tell you who, you know. Right. That's it, a tough it, one is what's going mean, to come I mean, next. That I mean, third place finisher. That's where yeah. it's, this is so freaking wide open because I feel yeah. I, I like I can't even tell, man. And this is something I've gone to the Arnold for <clears throat> like over a decade now. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's so many times it's like, oh, well, here's your top five. Right. After yeah. first and second, which I still don't even know for sure what's going to happen there. Um, which I, you know, and and I talked to Ron and Dusty about this too. Now I I don't know if they're going to give uh, Samson any kind of like credit for having won last year. You know what I mean? I hope, I hope not. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think they are. You know, so so I don't think we have to worry about. We could call that politics, possibly. I don't think yep. we have to worry about those politics. And if there were politics, hell, we've got a Mister, a very recent Mister Olympia on stage, right? Nobody mm-hmm. else in this lineup has done that. But after that, what the hell is going to happen? You know what I mean? It's really hard to nail down. But, you know, I mean, just going off names, and we haven't seen him much lately, but Raphael is next on that list. So has he grown Uh, a lot? Because a couple people have been saying Raph, and I loved Raph. And I'm going to be the first one to tell you, I haven't followed him close enough. My main impression of him was like, four or five years ago at the Arnold and he looked impeccable, but like a smaller version of, of a bodybuilder compared to everybody else on stage. Has he, Mm -hmm. has he brought that up? I mean, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. I mean, he he competed, I think it was early last year and I don't think we've seen him since. Um, But, you know, but I think, and and in no particular order, I think three, four, five, six, I'm looking at Raphael. I'm looking at horse MD Yes. And honestly, I haven't heard a lot of people talking about MD, but if you look up his shots, his structure is is freaking crazy. And he gets peeled like his side shots. The detail on the side of his legs is out of this world. The, The only knock on him, I will say, is his rear double is not as developed as his other shots. And obviously the rear double, front double, most muscular, those are like our power shots in open bodybuilding. Uh, So he might get a little bit hurt there, but if he is peeled out of his mind, um, and he's real dominant in his front double and his side shots. I, I think he's in that conversation. Look at um, this guy, Skip. Check this out. I mean, like if, yeah, if I could, if, if I could look like a bodybuilder that's competing today, like he would be very high on my list. You, you know, that you right? make a very good point. I was actually thinking the same thing. That's a very <laughs> desirable. Look at the hamstring and the quad. Right yeah. yeah, and he's got yeah, calves. Yeah, small joints. Everything mm-hmm. is rounded out. The shape is just yeah, mm-hmm. crazy. The condition is balanced. It's pretty, pretty insane. That hamstring mm-hmm. is absolutely nuts from the side. Yeah. So. It's ridiculous. It's, yeah, it's another word we like to use, but we can't use anymore. Redonkulous. Yeah, exactly. Redonkulous. Yeah. <laughs> about that. Anytime any of us starts with re, I get really nervous. Yeah, you get puckered <laughs> up, don't you? Yeah, ridiculous. Um, continuing down, I also have James Hollingshead in that next group. Uh, we don't know what we're going to see, what James we're going to see, because, you know, I feel like he was peaked fairly well when he worked with Phil, like uh, Phil Viz, like four years ago, five years ago. And then he, he worked with Patrick Tour, and he always kind of came in with like a spilled flat look, like they kind of pushed things too hard and, and maybe missed the peak by like a day or two. Okay. Uh, he's with Milos now. So I think, yeah. you know, you know, the, the, the wizard, the doctor, he'll, he'll he, I think he'll figure him out. Um, I will say this though, and you guys let me know what you think, because I saw 
he was training. He, he picked his final week training to hang out with Branch Warren and train with Branch. And Branch wasn't taking it easy on him. Like, this is a guy's final week of prep. They were doing the <laughs> stuff you were talking about a minute ago, like the, the dumbbell presses and oh, the yeah. pussy. Like, yeah. To me, honestly, that would be the last move I would do if that's not my style of training, especially. Coming over to the U.S., hanging with Branch Warren in that final week, trying to impress him because he's a legend. Of course. He's trying yeah. to keep up with him in terms of intensity. To me, I would tear both pecs, both biceps, hamstrings, like everything. <laughs> and, and if not, at least don't go horseback riding with him. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean of course, right? I mean, exactly. of course. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then, you know, the next on my list that I have in that grouping would be Antoine Valiant. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, I feel like, you know, we, we weren't as impressed with his offseason shots this year, but then, like, lately he's, like, turned it on. And he's just – he's kind of similar to Samson and having that classical, like, physique kind of flow, but with open muscle. And he poses really well. Um so I, I think he's in that 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 conversation for three, four, five, six. I, I would probably say more of that like like five, six, maybe seven. Which would be um, cool. I I take that for him. Yeah, and then there's some other guys, you know, that I, I think have the ability to be in that three, four, five, like Justin Rodriguez, but yeah. have just kind of missed the mark over the last couple of years. Uh, Mahab Shaban, we haven't yeah. seen much of him lately. He took all last year off. Um, John De La Rosa, I, I hear he's looking more improved than he was last year, and he won a show last year. You know, great so, gym down in Fort Lauderdale over in Sawmill. He's, yeah. the, the gym is great. It's only been open a few years, but it's the place to be. He opened shortly after I left for West Palm, and I saying I'm going to go down there, but I haven't. Yeah. Well, this is so, going to be coming out on Friday, the, uh, the the beginning of the Arnold. And if anybody is listening to this while they're while they're driving to the Arnold Classic to hang out at the Expo, guys, I will see you there. Be sure to stop by the Mutant Booth. We're going to be doing um, podcasting all weekend long at the Mutant, Mutant Booth. So I'll look forward. You got to grab uh, Nick. Nick's going to be there. Grab his parents if you can. This is <laughs> what I'm 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 trying. You have a thing. You want to do a podcast with Nick's parents? Huh? I do. I do. And and he said he's he's going to talk to him. And if he thinks that they might do it, but he didn't want to, you know, commit for them. Are you going to be on um, your best behavior with? Uh, oh, with absolutely. His but I like that. I, I think it would be fun for the listeners too to get them because <laughs> his parents are incredibly lively, very involved. It's a very they're very close as a family. I think it's cool, and I think it'll be quite entertaining. All right. Yeah, I'm down. I'm down. I'm sure the audience would love that too. Okay. As long as you're on your best behavior, I don't want I you will, embarrassing. I will Honestly, I'm going to be honest. I think that Nick's mom in general would probably prefer Skip not to be on his best behavior. Like, I think, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, no, I really. But I'm being serious here. There, I no, no, no. I, I'm being serious. I think they're like a very good time family, and I, yeah. I think like yeah. Skip being himself, like they would absolutely have a riot with that and would join right in. You know, because I've oh, seen yeah. them at the Olympia, like they all got the T-shirts on and, yeah. you know, they're, they're all like, you know, and so, yeah, it's they, they seem like a very fun family. That'd be a blast. All right. Let's get on to our topics. Uh, we've got a bunch of lister questions and this is one um, that stuck out to you, Andrew. And I, I feel like the answer could be kind of complicated. So uh, and this is I'll tell you what. So here's the deal. As a coach, you have your check ins every day that you go through and you're like, OK, yep, this is exactly what we want to see. You know, let's do this or let's do nothing. Right. And those are the easy check ins. But unfortunately, it's not always that fun. Right. We run into situations like this and this is where we actually have to figure some stuff out. So he says, um, hey, guys, great show. Have you ever encountered someone 
um, who has been in a deficit and has struggled to lose fat. I have been in a deficit for many weeks now. I have yet to lose a damn pound of fat, it seems. I started with body weight times eight, and I feel like that put me uh, in a pretty good deficit um, when I'm eating beyond that for, but I've been eating beyond that for months. Um, any ideas on what the problem could be? I'm not sure what he means by the body weight times I eight. Think, I, I just figured it out. I think he's meaning his body weight times eight calories. Uh, yeah, yeah, eight calories per pound. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So then you don't know what the ratios are. We don't know what the macros are. And did that formula, because it's very arbitrary, very random, to me it is, are you actually in a deficit? You can cut from what you were taking in. For some people, you can cut four or five hundred calories, and it can start it can start to fall. Other people, you can cut eight nine hundred calories, and it cannot move. So that would be my first question. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll tell you. I think that you know, as a coach, or when you're self-diagnosing this stuff, it always comes down to three different directions. Or you got to ask yourself which direction we're going. You got three possible things, right? If things are going well, well, then just keep doing what you're doing. It, that's easy. Right. But the next, but the next decision is: do we need to push harder, or do we need to pull back? Mm. Like I, it, it always just comes down to that black and white to me because, well, we know we just can't keep doing what we're doing. We're just beating our head into the wall, and we might be driving our metabolism down even worse, and we're just not getting anywhere. So, I mean, I guess what I would ask him is what are the steps you've made since you've hit this wall? Like, in, was did you hit this wall eight weeks ago or did you hit this wall for the first time this week? You know, mm-hmm. um, have you manipulated your cardio? Have you manipulated your supplements by adding thermogenics in? Have you uh, looked at your non-exercise activity, like, like just your steps, you know, simple things like that? I mean, because I, I can tell you guys, like, when I used to personal train, I was training people, you know, 10, sometimes 12 clients a day, getting 20,000 steps in was super easy. You switch to sitting in front of a computer all day. Sometimes you're like, oh man, I got 2000 steps and I got to get moving. Like, so there is a big difference there um, in what you can eat and then how much cardio you have to do to compensate. So that, you know, just looking at it from like very basic, um, you know, like first line things, I guess. Then secondarily, I'd be like, okay, are you doing any anything to uh, you know stimulate your metabolism? Are you doing refeeds? Are you doing cheat meals? Or are you literally just eating eight times your body weight every single day? Mm-hmm. Because in my opinion, like the best way to make a stagnant metabolism is to eat the same thing every day without any variation, either down or up. You is know, it I safe th- to think- say that most diets are going to have some sort of a cyclical effect? Like you're not you're not doing the same thing as what you're saying every day it's very rare for somebody to go from point A to point B and literally eat the same thing day in and day out without any manipulation or variation at all. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, just quick points, you know, have you tried to do some, you know, high carbohydrate refeeds? You know, if you're eating 200 grams of carbs a day, have you tried bumping it up to 450 for say two days and then getting right back on your diet? Um, Have you tried pulling calories? You know, have you pulled your calories further? you know, and then I start to think about like the next level stuff, like, okay, hormonally, are you yes. using, are you using PEDs? Are, right. are you not using PEDs? Are you natural? And you've just literally driven your testosterone and your endocrine system into the tanks and you might need some support there. So, yeah. so did you right just start, did you just start a cycle where you were on TRT yes. and you've added growth and your weight is coming up? So your body composition would be changing yeah. and yet the scale weight may not be moving. Um, the other thing too is, is, you know, taking those numbers that he provided, say he's 200 pounds and just as an arbitrary number, you know, you're talking about 1600 calories, roughly, uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's 
pretty low for a 200, yeah. you know, 200 pound person. So not, you know, absurdly, let's say he's, you know, he's going to step on stage at, you know, 165 and he's 200 pounds, then okay, but still it's low. Mm-hmm. There should still be if the gear is constant and the gear isn't like you didn't just start a cycle and, and you have that added variable there. There should be some some initial loss, even if it's just water. Mm-hmm. So if you've gone a few weeks and you have gone to these numbers, it's likely that you're not too low because there would have been that initial drop to begin with. So exactly. and the, again, this is taking the gear out of the equation, you know, as many other variables as possible. So I, I'm with you. It, it, I think we could all agree it push harder because if you push harder and it starts to fall and then you find yourself in a week or two that you're depleted, then you may be able to start to slowly bring those calories back up. To, to feed a metabolism that may well be stalled. We don't know what you did in the off season. We don't know insulin sensitivity. We don't know if you're overtrained. We don't know any of that at this point. The other thing that just comes to my mind is we don't know if this is a male or female. <laughs> Good point. Because I just looked, well, I just tried to look at the name on the, and it's, you know, like a at moniker, like you, it's, you never can tell yeah. with some of these things, you know, it's like at yeah. D, D something. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if it's a female, and eating 1600 calories a day and let's say she's 140 pounds and wants to get down to somewhere in the 120s yeah then definitely the first move is pull right i mean it's 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 uh but but i'm with skip if you're a 200 pound male and you're eating 1600 calories and you're stalled out already something maybe the 16 what you think is 1600 calories is actually more like 3000 calories when Hmm. you actually do the math or um you need to backstep a little bit and maybe uh, reverse diet and then try again because, and, and, and no coach ever wants to admit this, that they sometimes can't get people into shape the first time around. But how many times have you had people where you get them going, they hit a wall and you're like, oh, this is actually going to take twice as long as we thought. And you have to explain to them, okay, now we need to actually reverse diet for a little while, build your calories back up, get your metabolism healthy again, and then attack this thing again. Yep. And no, no, no client wants to hear that. They're like, what do you mean? I thought you could get me, you know, in, in decent shape within mm-hmm. three or four months, but you know, that's how the body works sometimes, you know, we, yeah. we can't, um, we can't shortcut that. It, it, it takes as long as it takes, you know, but yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm with that. And I think the, the hormone thing, you know, get your hormones checked or what's going on with estrogen. Did you, like Skip said, like, did you just start a cycle? And yeah. one of the things I've been seeing too, is that I've been seeing people shunning any type of estrogen control. And I think that you can get away with like super, super high estrogen, um, and, and continue to grow muscle. I don't think that that's as much of a problem, but I think it can be an issue that if your estrogen's like going in triple digits and you're trying to lose fat, I don't think that that's going to be to your benefit. Let me add, let me add a counter to that too. Like if you've driven your estrogen to like the, t, uh, like the, the, the tens and lower, yeah, that can also impair your fat loss. Yeah. So, so I, I agree with you, the, the uh, checking your hormones, you know, uh, endocrine system as well as uh, thyroid, I think is definitely yes. something that you need to do. You know? And I want to piggyback off that and just say that I don't think, and I've changed my perspective on this over the years. If you go back 12 years ago, 2010, 2012, I would have wanted that, uh, wanted the estrogen lower. And I look more at the ratio now of what you're taking versus and what's going to aromatize versus the estrogen level instead of saying, oh my God, it's, you know, 110. Mm-hmm. If you're on, you know, your blood levels are off the charts. Uh, that's not so bad. If your blood levels are at TRT and you're 110, then that's a little different story. <laughs> <laughs> right. I agree. Definitely. Let's see what else we've got here. How about um, 
I'm going to throw this one in just because it's fun. Actually, you know what? I'll save that because we're doing that other show. We're talking about training, so that'd be a good one. We had a couple questions that were about um, uh, about doing two-a-days. And let me see if I can find one of them. I'll just throw this one up first. They're kind of, we've got two questions about it. This guy says, what are your thoughts on working out twice a day? He says, I have plenty of free time and a nice, sweet, nicely equipped home gym. We'll start with that one, I guess. I want to say that first, no one should base their training frequency on the amount of free time that they have. Boom. I love it. Just, I love that. I, I, and so you can tell where I'm going with the answer. And, and, and we've covered this several times before, but there's a very, very few number of people that can grow, if not just survive, to a day training. Okay. All right. Um, you know, you, you only have so much recovery ability and it's hard enough to say, you know, train five days a week with super intensity. So now you're talking about possibly increasing that to 10 training. You're fitting 10 training days into 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 a week, basically, yeah. of seven days. Um I just think you're going to interfere with your recovery. You're going to interfere with your muscle protein synthesis, and um, you're going to lead yourself down the road to lack of gains and injuries, if, if not anything. Yeah. Uh, so, so I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, it's a recovery issue. It's parasympathetic versus sympathetic. It's. I just think it's a bad idea. If you're Kevin Lavroni and you start training chest twice a day in the 90s and you grow, then more power to Kevin Lavroni. Uh, I don't know how he did it either, but I'm not a gifted uh, you know, I don't have that gifted predisposition. I've tried it. I tried it back in the day. I tried it back in the early 2000s, and it didn't take long before things started hurting. My motivation to train went down because if you train twice a day, you're already look. You're already focused on your meals, your prep of everything. It's a very, especially if someone's new to it, you may like it at first, but it becomes a very arduous, very um, not laborious, but just this anxiety riddled thing of, Oh, I got to eat. Oh, I got to do this. Oh, I got to do. You just, you just complicated what should be kept as simple as, as possible. Now your entire day has to do with timing around two workouts instead of one. I don't see any benefit. You make it, even if you're gifted, here's the, here's the argument. I would go with, even if you're gifted and you grow, you're growing and you're gifted. I, <laughs> I don't like how fast do you need to get to the finish line? Just keep growing and be happy that mm -hmm. you're gifted and you're going to grow faster than everybody else. I don't see it almost ever working. I have a client that has trained back twice a day and it actually has helped. My question though, with the process was would that back growth have been there anyway, changing a few other different variables versus training it twice a day. And there came a point where after doing that for a few months, I don't know that it was as beneficial because then, you know, again, the things we talked about, the recovery, beating yourself down twice a day, uh, mm -hmm. you only have so much recovery ability. That's, that's yeah. it. Yeah, you really do. And I think that, you know what, um, I'll just talk about like more volume in general. I think that when, when we first start bodybuilding and we first start making progress, then we see that one body part that we say, hey, you know, my back, it's not growing as well as everything else. And so our first thought is that like, hey, well, what if I did more volume? What if I did another back day or, you know, whatever? And what if I trained back twice, two times, you know, today instead of once? Um, my thought is, been nowadays that let's look at the reasons that your back wasn't growing to begin with you know <clears throat> and if we can look at like how to improve that technique 
and how to get instead of trying to think about how can I do more. My question is, is like, how can you get more out of what you're doing and and ideally maybe even get more out of less? I think that mm-hmm. I get, and I can remember, Skip, that I can't remember the way you put it just now, but I, I at one point I trained seven days a week. OK. Mm-hmm. And I knew at that point in my life, like this is not going to be good for me. I'm it's not going to benefit my bodybuilding, but I like I just don't want to go home. You know, I'm going to go <laughs> yeah. seven days a week and that's just what I'm going to do for a while. And like a, a good ways into that, I did it for a few months. A, a good Sorry. ways into that, man. That's all right. Good ways into that. I, I literally felt like I was punching a clock. I'd get done mm-hmm. with work. I'd go get my gym clothes on. I'd go to the gym. Damn well could have just been like punched a clock and now I'm doing cable extensions and now I'm doing this, you know? It's like it it, it really was, I got less out of it. You know, I got less mm-hmm. out of each workout. Yeah. So. I got a better answer uh, for the guy than train twice a day. Train once a day and find something to provide a revenue stream, build a business. There you go. Mm-hmm. Do something kind of side hustle. Mm-hmm. How about how about like personal train people with your awesome <laughs> home gym? How about that? There you go. I would almost tell people to do something non bodybuilding related. As yeah. as someone yeah. that spent my whole life in gyms and also coaches people, I love everything I do. I do. But there is sometimes where it's like, I mean, I don't want to go to the fucking friggin' gym after talking about the gym and yeah. writing programs for the gym and talking diets about the gym. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. if someone's, you know, that, I'll just leave it at that. Because sometimes there's like too much of a good thing. Absolutely. You know? don't I've said I don't know how many times, and my wife is so glad I've come to this. I don't want to go out on the weekend. Mm-hmm. with people who are bodybuilders because I don't <laughs> want to talk about nutrition and training. I want to talk about anything other than not because I don't enjoy it, but because that's w- how I make my living. That it, it almost seems all consuming. So I yeah. want to go out and talk to people who are not normal, but for lack of a better yeah. word, have different interests. Yeah. Away from Skip just wants to be the big guy at the table. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I pick my friends. Very, it's like the woman who picks just fat, ugly friends so she can be yeah. the hot one in the picture yep. on Facebook. <laughs> I'm that guy. <laughs> All right. So let's see if this one has anything different to it. Um, he said thoughts on two a day training and prep instead of cardio uh, two cardio session, cardio slash two cardio sessions. Stan efforting used to be a huge advocate back in the 2000s. And so I asked for a little more clarification. And he said instead of strength training and, uh, and one or two cardio sessions, how about uh, two sessions of training sessions um, with only one cardio session, if any. His reasoning uh, from Stan Efferding was that why burn calories with a catabolic activity like cardio instead of two a day anabolic activity with weightlifting? Well, tell you what, it's a decent point. It well, really is. Um, yeah, it is. And it isn't, back, though, because. At least in how he's you know presenting it, you know what I mean. And, and, I, and I'm not saying Stan Efferding is wrong because Stan's obviously very intelligent. He does. I've, I've gone to some of his um, his talks and stuff, and he's very entertaining too. Yeah, but, he and he's someone he's someone that like you know has walked the walk, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think what he's failing to maybe explain or point out or bring up or think about is that um, at some point training is catabolic too. So mm. I it. it you can't just say that training is all just an anabolic activity, right? Because otherwise, why don't we do four hour workouts? Why don't we train as much as we possibly can? Why don't we train, you know, three times a day, six days a week? 
You know what I mean? So I think, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. I think uh, it's a little, it's a little bit of a short-sighted answer, I guess. I do like that he pulls away the importance or a little bit of significance from cardio because I'm just over the years, I have really come to understand that in my opinion, based on my experience, I find that cardio is overrated for getting lean. I'm not saying it won't get you lean and I'm not saying that it's not necessary, but I also think that people jump to these big amounts of cardio, like, well, you know, I got to do two hours a day of cardio and everybody can do that and get it. I don't think that that's the best approach. I think it also plays into recovery. It also plays into your CNS. It plays into a ton of shit. And then before you know it, you have cinder blocks on your feet because you're doing a ton of cardio. And I also think, and I think that this might be where Stan is going to is, uh, and I agree with you about the recovery. You can only fill a glass, you know, to the top. You can't fill it past the top. So there is still, and I think we lose sight of this in bodybuilding. There still is a metabolic uh, impact from weight training. As an example, if you train, volume for two hours versus training DC for 40 minutes or 45 minutes, there is a different caloric, um, you know, caloric intake necessary, or there's more of a demand on the metabolism for training longer periods of time than there is for these very, very short uh, training sessions, in my opinion. And I've seen it with clients, not everybody, not straight across the board, but I've seen it. And I don't want to say, I won't go so far as to say that high volume training is like cardio because I don't that either, but I do think it has more of a metabolic impact if you train for two hours versus if you train for 40 minutes, even with the intensity higher. Now it could be argued and I'm using DC because everybody's familiar with DC. I do suppose that if you went in for 45 minutes and you literally didn't put down the weights and you did giant sets and and you know, kind of a Milos type of thing, you're probably going to walk out pretty depleted. I think that's a, a little bit different story. But I, I think there's a difference between the different styles of training. Andrew's looking off into the – what well, do you think? Because I'm sitting here and I'm thinking back to, like, my DC squat sets and, like, just how much – I would equate it to hit cardio, whereas I would, I would relate um, more volume training to more, like, steady-state cardio, to use an okay, analogy. Okay, fair enough. I think if I would, too. Yeah. Because, like, some of these hack squat and leg press and draw and, and squat um, Widowmaker sets, like, I thought I flatlined. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, like, <laughs> you don't know your blood pressure. 40, 40 minutes, though, either, right? I mean, your sessions I mean, were still going longer. My sessions were probably when I was – Look, Dante wrote the program and I followed mm-hmm. it to a T. And I would say with the warm-ups and everything, I was in and out in an hour. So actual training was probably 45 to 50 minutes tops. Yeah. Because okay. keep in mind. Were you it was prepping were you prepping or wanting to get lean at the same time? No, it was just okay, off. That's difficult to do. I know some people do that. I can't do that because I can't yeah. recover from that. Yeah. So I guess I'm equating the, the question more because he was involving cardio and maybe I Maybe I shouldn't because I it, I may be just assuming that this is what he means, but I'm assuming it's either in a cut phase or to get leaner. So I don't know. Then you would talk. Then you could argue that the long volume sessions are going to tap recovery just as much, or or the as the um, shorter duration, higher intensity. They're both going to zap. They're going to both potentially fry your CNS, which is yeah. another rabbit hole we need to go down as far as recovery during prep when your calories are 
restricted. Everybody wants to train their ass off, myself included, when we're prepping, and yet your recovery is arguably more compromised than it ever was in the off season. But that's a different topic for a different day. That would be a great topic because is it yeah. more compromised? And and I on paper I would say absolutely it is. But right. in reality, when you're in that groove of a prep and you are your, your your meals are exactly the same time every day, and your supplements are taken every day, and you're you're going to bed at nine thirty and you're sleeping until seven thirty, like I almost feel like because you're in such a groove and you know exactly what to expect, sure you get beat up, but I almost feel like your recovery is almost the same or better in a, in a sense. You know, it's funny. I, mean, I find it to be sporadic. Yeah, almost okay. entirely yeah. random, it, yeah. you know, just in response to what you're saying. So I don't disagree, but I think consistently over the, it, it almost seems to be like this. It's like one week you'll just be like, all of a sudden, like, oh my God, I feel yeah. stronger. I feel great. And then the next week you just absolutely destroyed. You're like, oh my God, I need a well, deload. And I've only been blasting for two or three weeks. <laughs> well, because let me, let me juxtapose that with um, the, the off season when you're at your near heaviest and you wake up in the morning and you don't feel recovered at all. And you're like, I'm eating a ridiculous number of calories. I'm training four, maybe five days a week. Like I'm doing no, next to no cardio. Like, shouldn't I be so recovered? And I think there, <laughs> I, I just feel think sluggish. Something. Yeah, I guess that's that. what I mean. Another, you feel just, so yeah. sluggish and bloated yeah. and you're like, man, I, but I'm not feeling any faster recovery from say my leg workouts or yeah. from my, yeah. and it's not necessarily cause I'm training harder because if you look at the weights being used, you know, from one season to the next, they're about the same, you know, maybe I lose a rep or two in the, in the, in the pre-contest phase, but the weights are pretty close to, to what I would hit in the same, in the same off season phase. So it's just one of these things. It's like, mm -hmm. you can't scientifically explain it exactly. But if you're, if you, if people that are listening know what I'm talking about, because they've been in the groove and they, they, if they felt that it's recovery. like when your body is like doing everything more effectively and like you effectively. said, you're, you're not missing any meals, you're getting all that sleep. And I think you said it though, Scott, everything is effectively and efficient. And, 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 and Skip always brings up this point that, yeah, your sleep is hurting in, in, in a prep. You're, you find yourself getting four and a half, five, maybe six hours of sleep towards the end, but it is more efficient sleep. Right. You know what I mean? And I think because yeah. when you said effective, it made me think of efficiency. And I think your body mm. becomes more efficient at all those. I processes. think so, too. Mm -hmm. Agreed. You know, yeah. I just got to which begs the question this. If you're in prep, you're 10, 12 weeks out. You know, you need a day off. Logically, you know, you need it. You're going to take it. Of course not. Not many people are going to take it. They're going to be like black and white. I need to train. I need to push through. And that's where you have to be able to read. And it's difficult because even as a look, even as a coach, I'll admit, if you're not feeling it, if you know, matter of fact, I'm not feeling, it, I'm run down, and I'm running to the ground. How many clients are going to tell you? I they're basically saying I'm pussing out. <laughs> they're going to kind of keep it themselves, and they're going to think, oh, it's prep. I got to push through. I got to get this done. I think what I'm saying is we lean more towards continuing with that rigid. <clears throat> very high structure of I need to train today versus if we were to play it and we were to play it without our emotions and just the feedback from our body, we would take that day, maybe even two to be able mm -hmm. to recover. And then that would be optimal. But again, I guess that's what I'm talking about when it comes back to recovery. And it is absolutely individual. We can all agree yeah. on that. Yeah. You know, that there's so many variables in there. I think that's why it's difficult to approach, in my opinion, difficult to approach training from a scientific standpoint with studies because there are so many variables involved the the list is so long that how do you control all those variables it's it's a tough one i just did a uh, like an hour long talk with kuba about the topic of um basically um 
adjusting your training around your basically your your nutrition around your sure. fuel your fuel level it is mm-hmm. interesting because we go all the way through his off season into what he's calling like his like health phase recovery phase and then into the prep and he was saying what he does is he'll remove things like um as he calls them like set extensions so mm-hmm drop sets, rest, pause, stuff like that. He feels like he wants to get rid of those things, but mm-hmm. he's still going to, of course, like go as heavy as he absolutely can in sure. the exercises that he's doing. And then the next stage would be maybe removing some sets. But if you remove sets, say in a push day, he's not touching anything to do with any of that like compound chest work. It's going to sure. come from like shoulders, from triceps, which that makes sense to me, you know, going, going that route. And then he's still able to hit it as hard as he needs to for that that main, you know, compound meat and potato stuff. Yeah, and you said something that's very, very important, and we've said this before, and maybe it's been a while, but the main difference to me between the off-season and prep when you relate diet to training is you can change your nutrition to fit your training in the off-season. Uh, in the prep, <clears throat> you better be ready to train to change your training to fit your nutrition yeah because the goal is just literally completely different and i think if people approached it that way and i know it's an oversimplification but it's a really good rule to live by when you transition from off season to well both off season to prep or prep to off season you can you need to switch the focus there the the whether you're feeding i'm not going to reiterate it i already said it twice (laughs) all right good enough good enough um all right let's let's take this one here this is from patreon so all right would you ever advise cutting growth while on trt because uh growth and anabolics function better together for instance to make the most out of your uh out of what you have and to cut expenses so he's saying maybe like while you're in cycle turn the growth up and then to save money dial it back during like a trt phase my growth is growth. always good not nah. <laughs> yeah. yeah well no i was gonna say my opinion with the growth is the only factor determining when and how much you take it is your wallet yes i know it's been said a million times and it's almost very cliche but there's just so much so much truth to it well okay so the the, the like for people that maybe don't understand, like they work from entirely different mechanisms. It's, it's not a growth hormone is not an androgen. It doesn't hit the androgen receptor. So I, I guess why not keep it as high as you possibly can, unless you have blood sugar issues or some, yeah, you know, some, yeah. car, car, some cardiopulmonary issues that are, you know, kidneys and whatnot that are, that are being affected. Why wouldn't you keep another growth factor in there as high as you possibly could, especially when you're using less androgens, mm-hmm. right? I mean, uh, yeah, to answer, I would I would keep your growth up, I would keep it high, and I would keep it plentiful. Yep. Right. Uh, let me just throw in just a little odd for, for you guys, because I'm curious what you think. You can only pick one phase to use growth hormone. Oh. You, like God came down and said, "You can, you can. I'll give you as much serostim as you want because you know God, <laughs> God is like that. He's you know he's omnipresent. He's a giving. He's yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's, he's a giving. giving. <laughs> So, but you can only use it during the off season, or you can only use it during prep. What are you, God would what not are you be that do? cruel. 
God has a, God has a very weird sense of humor. I mean, let's be fair. Um, I would use it during a prep phase, and I would diet for the rest of my life. <laughs> God does not answer. I wasn't, that, that wasn't supposed answer. to be. Funny. That wasn't trying, trying to be funny. funny. <laughs> it's the correct answer. Yes. Oh shoot. All right. How about this one? Uh, another one from Patreon from Nick. He says, question for BSG. Now, okay, we're going to talk about a medication for ADHD. I'm not going to say the name of that medication um, for the sake of YouTube. Um, how would you implement uh, or this, implement cycles for competitors on prescription medications like ADHD meds, asthma meds, blood pressure meds, SSRIs, etc., both men and women. I ask specifically because my wife has recently been prescribed an ADHD medication, um, but she um, let's, but I feel like it could be a, an interesting topic. Well, first off, you should not be even thinking about taking your wife's medication. <laughs> <laughs> Very illegal. Yeah, you don't even have to worry about this, Nick. This isn't even yeah, your problem. Was, uh, so wait, is he asking how to utilize ADHD I, medications? For I think. A I think he's saying like, game? hey, if you have, a, I think he's saying if you have a client that's using, say, medications or they're on an SSRI, how do you coach oh. them when it comes to, let's say, adding PEDs? Do you take that into consideration? Like, what oh, if okay. what if that were the case, and, and then we're like, hey, well, let's we want to run Clen, you know, or Aphidrine I or gotcha. something. Yeah, I gotcha. All right. So first thing I'll do is I'll, I'll look up and see if there's any contraindications, which I mean, there shouldn't be because it's, typically PEDs are not very well researched in combination with SRIs or SSRIs <laughs> or some of these other compounds. But it's still good to do your due diligence and look it up. Um, you know, I can't remember the exact website. It's like drugbanksomething.com. And you can see like every known contraindication for using two different substances or three different substances and what side effects could emerge. Um but with that, you know, beyond that, it's it's kind of like, well, it's prescribed by their doctor. And I, I would say a doctor supersedes their online coach telling them what to do or what not to do in most situations. Now, I will say there is an example of, say, Accutane, because Accutane is very hepatoxic, right? And let's say so-and-so doesn't want to stop using their, their PED cycles, and some of it might involve some other orals as well. Uh, what I've done several times is have, have them cut their Accutane cycle in half or, or cut the dosage in half. And they still got the same benefits that they would at the higher dosage from, from previous experiences using. Um, and I think that that helped cut down on some of the liver toxicity that we might have experienced with using, you know, polypharmacy of, say, you know, a, an oral based androgen as well as um, the Accutane. Does that make sense? I got one. I got one. And I'm going to take it in a different direction, the SSRI thing, that if um, somebody were on an SSRI, you know, it, it, it really just in general, if I'm working with somebody and I have any kind of, they're suspect that maybe they have some mood stuff going on, I might not be like, hey, let's throw DECA into the mix, you know? I feel like I, I've seen a lot of people that have, and it's interesting because Dave Crossland was recently saying, he's like, I don't think that we used to talk about it 10, 20 years ago about the mood things that can arise with DECA. But I remember a few years back on Instagram stories, somebody said, hey, every time I take DECA, I get really jealous of my girlfriend, like of other guys and stuff. She, he was like, I, I'm normally not a jealous person, but it's a legit thing. I get that way. 
And why is that? And I, I kind of laughed at it. I was like, huh, that's crazy. <laughs> Deca causing jealousy. But then guess what? Like a dozen people respond and they're like, oh yeah, I, I totally get what he means. I've gotten weird, like weird emotional stuff taking Deca. So it's out there. And, and for that reason, then, and then also too, I've seen a few clients that maybe weren't doing really good. And maybe even that, like one guy I'm thinking of that I might even listen to this show. Um, am I getting a call here? Hold on, let me turn this off. <laughs> Boom. All of a sudden, a call came in. Uh, I, one guy, he, um, make this really quick. He, all, we started NPP even. And, and he started, um, he started like losing interest in bodybuilding. And before you know it, it's like he started to like just change. And like <laughs> his responses and his check ins were getting like just like, off something was off and i could sense something something was off for a few weeks and finally i was like hey man what do you say we take a break from this because it was like coming to a head i was like why don't you say we take a break for this mpp and let that clear and he did and everything got better so i i just want to be careful if somebody has something you know mood wise with 19 norse that's all hmm. that would make sense yeah doesn't to me I'll go on record and say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I was surprised, man. But like, so and many people reached out to me, and they're like, "Hey, yeah, yeah I get and it." And that's you the know? thing: I don't dismiss whether it be a client or anybody else, you know, listening to the show or anything else. If they feel that there is a connection between a specific move, whether it be jealousy or anything else, here's the issue that I have, um, and, and this is just me thinking off the top of my head. I understand that there's individual issues. I understand that people react to you know drugs differently I, I get that um but i will say first off i mean i've i've taken a lot of shit for a long time in different combinations i'd go so far as to say more than most for a duration like for a very long period of time i and just because i haven't witnessed that doesn't mean that it's not possible what i am saying is this it's going back to what we were talking about with the training and stuff i'm a variables guy i don't know how to me, it seems that it's more likely that it's correlative versus causative. That's just me saying that without experiencing that myself. Jealousy is a very broad thing. Motivation comes and goes. I would argue that it's correlative until I were to actually see it play out and hear more feedback from it to where I saw that there may be more of a pattern. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm saying I'm finding it difficult to believe that it's causative. Are you familiar it. with DECA's effect on dopamine? Yeah, well, absolutely. So then I would even come back to what other compounds are with it. Are you only running that? We, we just literally came out of a, what, 10-year phase of DECA-only cycle. Not just came out of it. Right. I yeah, but you know what I mean. So, yeah. or, or trend-only cycles or things that to people like us seem like, why are you experimenting with these things that are not to someone who's been around a long time, more balanced, more logical. So I don't know what else they're using in there. And I would even question where was your jealousy level before that? Well, that was my thought too. All but if sudden, you not, you weren't jealous now, all of a sudden you are, or were you a little bit jealous? That was my thought on, though, Skip. But what about like just general insecurities? 
lower related to lower <clears throat> mood and and everything related think about like if you're if you're not getting as much out of your dopamine your sense of well-being is going down so you're not able to get as much pleasure out of life I, I can, or out of the things I, that you do I, I, you know? I can so it. even without any other drugs involved maybe somebody has already got like a little bit of an imbalance or a lot of an imbalance going on i could see how it could you know, it could take somebody further. I've just seen it enough times now. Because like I said, man, we should, as a matter of fact, why don't we do this? Guys, if you've had any issues with DECA, right. comment below. You know what let's, I mean? Let's talk about it. I want to hear it. That's why I say, I'm not saying that it's not possible. And I want to be very, very clear on that because okay. yeah. YouTube is YouTube is notorious for, you know, I'll get bashed in the comment section. That's why I almost didn't say anything. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to say it because I'm being honest. I just feel that it's more correlative and i don't see that it's causative yet i am more than willing to hear more experiences on it I've trained a lot of people i have not had a lot of feed much uh, hardly any feedback on mood related things like that related to uh i i, I just haven't and that's 20 plus years so yeah, doesn't well, i don't have as much yeah. experience with you but i will I will say this is one where we can completely disagree. Sure, already- and that's that's cool. And and please understand too, because I'm trying to pull away from this. I had a bad right. experience with a client, uh, and I ended up that we had to part ways. It was more of a rapport issue type of thing. He's certainly a, a great guy, but it wasn't. It just wasn't a good fit. And okay. I did use, and uh, it was my wife who told me. She goes, "You you just you can't do that because you know sometimes if I have problems, I'll talk to my wife about you know client issues and stuff. You can't." Let people think that or or them get the perception that you have all the answers because you've done what you do for so long. Okay. So I've been trying to pull back on that because, and it's funny, it's a kind of a double-edged sword because you want to point out, this is my experience over a long period of time, but you don't want to give the, the implication or the perception that that's why you're right. Yeah. So it's a balancing act. It's difficult. So I have, I'm trying to make a conscious effort to not focus on giving that, that perception. Cause it's certainly not my intent. I'm just trying to say, trust the process and understand that I've seen this, seen so many different things, a thousand different ways, trust the process versus their perception is I'm right. I don't want to hear you do it this way because this is what I'm telling you to do. Yeah. I'll and take it a step it further to, to get back to the bodybuilding part of it. Mm-hmm. They, it like in, in clients, I would say that just gear in general with somebody who's using SSRIs could be something. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. But we were talking specifically the one compound and that's where I was like, I don't know. But again, I'll leave it at that because I'm not let, saying. Oh, no, let not let me open it up again. Let me open it up again. I'm not a fan of SSRIs. I think they cause more harm than good. I felt cases. they did in my own life, honestly, <laughs> when I used them. You felt that they did cause more harm? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. But at the same time, man, if I have a client that's using them, I have to let them, f- I can't tell yeah. them that. You yeah. know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> oh, no, call I agree with you because. Call your doctor and tell me your trainer said that you yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, my bodybuilding <laughs> coach. And of course, any doctor. <laughs> 30 years. 
Yeah. Well, well, of course, any doctor, when they think of like my trainer, my online coach, they think of like someone with a clipboard in the gym who has no education and, and in the same way that, you know, yeah. what, that we probably do. Um, but no, I, I just, I, I see a lot more harm than good with the SSRIs. I see a lot of interaction or a lot of um, issues with um, getting into shape. I see a lot of issues with, I would say their, their sanity, I think, mm-hmm. um, and other, other realms, I guess. Uh, regardless of PED use or not. Uh, so when asked about if I think that they should continue with them, I kind of err on the side like you did, Scott, where I said, well, your doctor has you prescribed on those, but in my opinion, I wouldn't be using those or I would use the lowest dose I possibly could and then try to yeah. wean myself off of it and try to work more on skills and coping and lifestyle ma- uh, factors that can help me maintain um, you know, yeah. normal serotonin levels. Yeah. yeah. I just never know where people are at too. You know, sure. I, I have a guy who may even listen to the show that we worked together. He did like this freaking awesome job and he was using uh, an SSRI and now he's kind of, he's, he's, we stopped working together. He did really good and um, competed and, and, and after the show, he like did really good and stuff, rebounded and everything still looks freaking great. But like his interest in bodybuilding, he's like trying to adjust medications and all mm-hmm. it's like, there's a lot to that i hate to see you know what i hate seeing somebody suffer with that stuff but like yep. at the same time i'm like well i don't know what he's been through i don't know what's going yeah. on in his head yeah. you know what yeah. i mean so i can't tell him like oh you should you know i can only say uh-huh. what's worked for me you know i'm also coming from from a kick like i don't trust anything and yeah I, I do a lot of reading and lately i've been on a kick about the pharmaceutical industry and just mm-hmm. like the number of drugs that we have in our country that are approved for use where the reason why they're proof for use is because the trials were done in places like Africa where they don't have this, like they don't count the same, um, uh, what do you call them? Uh, like mortality, fa- uh, mortality factors. They don't count the negatives the same way we do. But, but on the paper sheet over in Africa, it'll say like next to no um, adverse reactions because their things don't count as adverse reactions as they would over here. Mm. And then they, sit, they can pass it on to the FDA and say, nope, there's next to no adverse reactions. And then people start using these things. And we wonder why people do crazy stuff like, you know, bring firearms into schools and shoot up schools or, Good. you know what I'm saying? I'm taking it to the yeah. extreme, but I'm just saying yeah. like in all, every one of those cases, someone was on heavy medications. Yeah. All right. Let's see what else we got here. A fun question. How about a fun question? Do we have anything fun? Oh, we had one about our training that uh, somebody commented. Don't forget my here. word of the day. Oh, yeah. We can't. In fact, I screen capped that guy who said that he liked it. Somebody was asking us. Uh, I can't see who it is, but he said, um, what are your guys' uh, training looking like lately? Uh, I'll start. Um, so me and Nate are on a split where so we'll do like legs, push, pull basically, but nice. we'll do like, like the first day. Yeah. Right. Nice. Like pretty deep and pretty advanced. Right. No, but like <laughs> the first day, the first leg day will be a quad based day. Okay. Um, like, you know, like extensions, actually I won't, I won't go over all exercises, but um, then the second day will be more of a hamstring day with a couple quad exercises thrown in. Uh, How many days a week? Day. Uh, five days a week. It usually works out too. So yeah, okay. we take Wednesdays and Wednesdays and Sundays off right now. And so are you, I just, well, I was going to say, I just got back down here, so I'm getting in the groove again. This is my second week training. I'm starting to like feel good, have some of the go juice in me, so I'm really starting to feel good. Uh, and he's coming off of a cruise and getting ready for his prep. So, oh, hell yeah. yeah, like I think we're going to have a really good, um, really good next couple months for, for training. I want to do a video with him. Yeah, I want to do a video with Nate about like, how did you grow your legs? Just period. Just a one-on-one. His Nate, legs tell are us about it. Re- you know? 
ridiculous. They are. <laughs> and we oh. say re, and I said re. Anybody correcting me in the comments, I am very clear that it is spelled R-I and not R-E. Oh. Because I made that <laughs> reference earlier, and I am certain that Andrew knows the same thing. So save your comment. Skip, uh, my we'll, have to, just sa- we'll, have, we'll have to save our training for another time because we have a guest okay. that's joining us in the green room. Oh, but there you go. Real, real quick, though, uh, what's our word of the day? Lethalogica. Lethalogica. <laughs> no let idea. Me, let me see. Lethalogica. Okay. You Leth- ever, you're ever in a, you're in a um, conversation and you go to use a word and you can't remember the word. And then you kind of start to obsess on it and you're like, what? I'm looking for that. That's lethalogica. You can't find the word that explains what you want to use. It explains what you're thinking. And I know I've done it. I get so mad. And then what happens five minutes later after the conversation is over, like that was the word. Great. That's why I'm so much better at writing. Writing and sounding intelligent and articulate than I am speaking. <laughs> you don't deal with lethalogica when you're writing. Right. Or at least if I do, I have the time to be able to find that word. All right. Yeah. Well, we appreciate everybody tuning in. Thanks for watching. Um, for the people in the live stream, we're going to record another show. And, of course, to check out uh, teamskip.com. If you want to reach out to Skip for coaching, you can go to bodyberry.com to reach out to Andrew. Uh, McNallyDiets at gmail.com. Hit me up after the Arnold. And hopefully I'll be seeing you guys at the Arnold. It'll be a freaking awesome weekend. Also, let us know who do you think is going to be actually third place. We want to know who your third place finisher is for the Arnold Classic. That's good. And, of course, check out truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK supplementsource.ca for Canadians and thank you to everybody from Patreon for another episode of Blood, Sweat and Gear with Coaches Skip Hill and Andrew Barry. I'm Scott McNally. We will see you soon.